Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We're heading over to Texas, and we have a guest who's a TEDx speaker and a globally acclaimed authority in coaching the C-suite. She's going to tell us all about it. She is also a champion for uh, diversity. So we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, Daniela Green, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. I'm really grateful to be here. Well, I always like my guests to share what they deliver to the world in their own words. Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, I serve in a space where typically when professionals outgrow their titles and they hit that glass ceiling, they're performing outside of their role and they're getting really burnt out. They'll come to me so that I can help them find their way up the pay scale, up the ladder to move to the next level in which they're contributing to, but not getting paid for. And so that's where I typically come in. So I do leadership career strategy. Um, and I also coach first time uh, senior leaders and executives in the C-suite to help them ensure that they have high performances because they are heavily weighed and judged by that, uh, especially if the company is a public um, organization. Mm -hmm. um, so I give to the world because I just really feel passionate about what I do because I get to contribute to closing the wealth gap uh, in African-American households and the pay disparity that exists among all women, uh, no matter what your race is or background, uh, all women are impacted by that. So I contribute to the world by each person, one person at a time, I'm closing that up or ending it altogether. So there's a couple things, Daniela, that I think um, we're going to explore today on this episode. So you've shared where, where you come from, and I want to take it from a different direction, which is why a company founder and a CEO, somebody in that C-suite and leadership position, you know, why they need to think about bringing diversity to the table and finding candidates and business partners that might be who they might not typically look at. And I think to start that conversation, Daniela, let's just do some kind of grounding because there's so many words out there and so many topics, but just in a quick conversation, the difference between I have a DEI program, I have an ESG program, I have, you know, this and that. So give us a little grounding um, so that we're using the right terminology around all of that. Sure. Diversity and inclusion, um, which is typically people here is say, phrased as DEI, diversity, inclusion, and equity. But uh, diversity and inclusion is just more, hey, look at the effort we're doing to be more inclusive and more aware of the world around us. Um, and so ESG uh, measures how a company is responding to the world changing around them, what they're doing as a company, how it's impacting them and how they're adjusting. Sustainability says, how are you impacting the world around you? So it's more like accountability. 
Uh, that's why transparency reporting is such a big deal right now, especially in oil and gas. Uh, diversity equity um, typically falls under the fact that are you creating a fair access to leadership opportunities? Are people aware? And not only are people aware, but do they understand what the role requires? Uh, is there some type of in-house training for in-route leaders? Or are you just letting your professionals, uh, as they perform, outperform and they grow and move up the ladder, you know, just letting them perform outside of their title and then they eventually burn out and go somewhere else. Uh, so that's pretty much what ESG sustainability uh, means, but where diversity inclusion and diversity equity fit in that matrix is because the S in ESG stands for social. And so what are you doing in work, as far as your workplace conditions in the community, uh, how are you showing an awareness to the world around you, the changes, the sensitivities um, of your targeted audience uh, and same in sustainability. When they do those sustainability reports, they're being weighed mm -hmm. on a social scale, their impact internally and externally. Well, I think this topic of transparency reporting is, is really important. A lot of times when I speak with founders, you know, we, we talk also about your exit strategy. You know, sometimes you might decide you're not going to leave your company ever. You might not leave for five years. But the point is, is you still have to have your house in order, whether it's your financials, mm -hmm. whether it's the, the way that your organization looks. And so I think a lot of people miss that, that you, you need to be heading in the right direction. And also just the richness that diversity brings to the C-suite. So you, can you comment mm -hmm. a little bit on that? Yeah, sure. Um, diversity in the C-suite is not only uh, imperative, I think it gets confused as like, hey, let's look as if we are aware, let's look socially responsible, but more important, more importantly, um, it's actually a risk avoidance. Uh, yeah. There's nothing like ignorance, right? And so if you have a campaign, and we've seen this where an organization or a company wants to move into Latin America, um, and you think that you can just do one commercial where the person is speaking in Spanish, well, you might actually offend some of the, those people from those countries, because one, they're all not the same. They're very different. They're different countries, uh, and they have different ethnic groups in those countries. And most people speak Portuguese um, and the culture is very different. And so when you have people in the C-suite who represent not only uh, the community that you're impacting, but they represent a growing demographic like we have here in the U.S., you avoid uh, ignorance, reputational risk. You also avoid sounding outdated. Um, and I'd love to tell, because I grew up in the South, you also <laughs> avoid a, a social faux pas, you know, maybe making an improper reference to someone uh, based on their identity or their background. Um, and now we move into a space where people can identify as uh, trans woman, uh, trans male. And when you have a person in a C-suite that's not very aware of that and they're not sensitive, again, having that person talk to an employee and use the wrong terminology, it can really end pretty badly um, because the professionals that's in the C-suite represent the whole brand. Um, so we tend to see that face and hold that person accountable. Um, and with the way social media works, it's almost like the moment something happens, it travels and it keeps traveling and it stays forever. 
Uh, so I always like to say the C-suite uh, being diverse is imperative because the most important area of impact is your revenue. And that's typically when we look at what risk you face, what threats you face. Um, and that's basically leaders who have a lot of ignorance um, when it comes to culture, community, um, and targeted demographics. No, I appreciate that. And I, I think it's it's difficult. And I don't have the statistics at my fingertips, um, but I came from a gender equity space. I was a leader of a global gender equity organization for many years. And the, the data is there. When you have diversity in the C-suite, when you have more women at the board table, uh, company profits are 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 better and, and higher. Um, mm-hmm. But yet, you know, people struggle. And I think with founders, it, there's such a, a temptation to surround yourself, you know, when you found your company with people you already know. And that is right. fine because you need people to sit in the right seat for the role that you need as you're building and growing your company. But mm-hmm. you still, even when you're a two or three person operation, you can be extending through business partners. You can be extending through other things or bringing on junior staff and, and training them up, which is your area of expertise is, mm-hmm. is helping people get to that next level. Hey, I want to talk a little bit just about you, Danielle, and then we can come back to this topic because um, you are one of the only uh, black owned advisory form firms doing what you're doing in Texas you have a background in, in tech and energy and oil. So can you just share a little bit with us um, on your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, my background, I started out at Shell Oil. I graduated from Lamar University uh, and I hold a few degrees um, in the mechanical engineering, industrial and consumer science. Um, and so coming straight out of college, the first place I went to work for was Shell Oil. Um, and from there, I got pulled into what we call corporate strategy. And so I like to tell people I was in ESG before it was a thing, because that's what <laughs> corporate strategy was yeah. back then, or corporate social responsibility. Um, I got promoted really quickly. And what I learned in that experience is that, okay, uh, I remember talking to my grandparents and my aunt and uncle, and they said that you're going past the area that a lot of people in our community um, have, uh, you know, been and where they exist as far as corporate America, you might need to get a coach. Uh, and then I found an executive coach and I found a lot of mentors within Shell. It's an amazing organization of retired males who helped me to not only build up my brand, but to really find my voice as a leader, uh, being so young and being a female. And so that's how I kind of got started here. And I left uh, the industry to start my own company uh, because I kind of felt like if I can do this for organization, I can pretty much do this for myself. And I decided to start my company because um, the funny thing is people would always call me before they made major career decisions or business decisions. And so I was just thinking like, mm, why don't I just create a space where I just do this as my business because I'm really passionate about it and everybody calls me for it. So I might as well monetize off of it. So Daniela, that's how I got started. You use your handle Slaypedia. Where did Slaypedia, where did that name come from? 
That's funny, and I'm glad you asked. So Wikipedia is where they have all knowledge, all things. Anything you want to search is in Wikipedia. So I always like to tell people, like, I slay at career advice. Um, so I'm the Wikipedia for um, how to get to the next level in your career. So I slay at that. <laughs> and so I always like to tell people that's why I called it Slaypedia, uh, because everybody would just come to me for information. And so I just thought it was a play on words. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to remember. I think it's, I yeah. think it's very fun. I think, like as we're talking, you sat, you, you know, you sat, you got your. We we talked before we started this interview. Like we both have this very like corporate side. Like we can walk into the corporate culture and fit in great. I joke and say I pull out my CEO voice, but then I also have my very fun and and lighthearted side as as well. So mm -hmm. I like the name Slave Slavepedia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the the types of things that you see um are barriers or pitfalls for for people as they are trying to be more do more and achieve more with their lives like what do you see some of the things that you find yourself routinely coaching people or gently pointing out for them that they should work on mm -hmm. uh something i'll start with myself uh this started out as something that was on the side. And then when I started the business, I was outside of my house. Uh, but as I started to grow and I started to get more professionals who were outside of the country and outside of the state, I realized very quickly, I can't do everything. Um, and so we say that like, oh, get help. But it's really hard when it's your company. You want to give people a task and then you end up doing it and then you give it back to them. And if you don't know how to communicate what exactly your end goal is, it's kind of hard when you hire talent because it's you don't have anything to train them with. So having processes in place, having a go-to, you know, standard operations, like these things as a business owner are dire. That's what I learned. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I find professionals who get burnout or are business owners or people in the C-suite, you do have to get to a point where you lean on your team. Like you have to. Um, if not, you'll become the person no one wants to work for. And that's a micromanager or a person that takes a task away from someone and then gives it back and expects, you know, it to go to drive itself to completion. Um, and so that taught me how to communicate better, uh, having a team depend on me, because I think we think, oh, I have an idea of what we know. But the question is, how well do I relay that to people? Um, so that I can get myself there. And that's something I have to follow through on my own. Uh, and I also advise on that. I, I think there's, wow, it, it hit me really hard when you said you'll become the person that um, no one wants to work for. Right. Um, I think one, you can't get as advanced in, in your career as like we are and not have had days where you actually are that person. Mm -hmm. So I think when we talk about like executive leadership, there is no such thing as perfection, but there's certainly a thing called self-awareness and and recovery and mm -hmm. um and making sure you don't stay that person even if you do go there right um uh, that's a great one is there another one that you would say that yes advice that you give people a lot Yes, I always like to look at Jeff Bezos. You know, this is one of the most successful people on earth. And he said something that really stuck to me. I got a chance to go to an event where he was speaking um, and it really stayed with me. And he said, you have to be okay 
with being around people who are smarter than you and who are quicker than you and having them tell you what's next as a business owner. Um, and so he said that that's one of the reasons he attributes Amazon's success and quick growth is the fact that he intentionally hires people who are smarter than him. He assesses himself to see where he's weak or where he has a lot of ignorance and he hires based off of that. And so that requires a lot of your pride and ego to be pushed down and for you to fall back and allow yourself to be corrected. Yeah, you know, for, for sure. Thinking about that, thinking about leadership and in, in building teams, let's come back to like the diversity topic. So mm -hmm. when you intentionally choose to build a team that is more diverse, whether it's um, ethnicity, whether it's race, whether it's um, age, you know, all of those different categories, you are already saying kind of yes to conflict, right? You're already mm -hmm. saying, because as as you said, there's risk avoidance in, in bringing that diverse group to the table, but mm -hmm. you also have to be prepared for some misunderstandings, conflicts, some mm -hmm. conversations. So any kind of wisdom for people who are building these teams that are more diverse and how to kindly communicate with one another? I always like to say that um, when I look at diversification, I always look at what age group the person falls into, right? Because that's where a lot of conflict in the workplace comes from. Uh, a lot of people don't like working with millennials and now we have Gen Z uh, entering into the workplace. Um, I like to do it this way. When I have a team that's very diverse, whether it be age, uh, ethnicity, nationality, it doesn't matter. I like for us to come together and introduce ourselves and tell uh, each other how we work best and our pet peeves. That way, if somebody says like, hey, when I first come in in the morning, I don't wanna speak, I don't wanna talk. Uh, I have one uh, young lady, she still works with me. She speaks Spanish. Uh, she's from Mexico and she says she hates it when people automatically just look at her to teach them Spanish. So by her saying that and vocalizing it and letting people know her sensitivities to a diverse group of people, it kind of sets the tone in how people deal with her and we avoid conflict before it arises. Um, and so respecting people's spaces, their personality types, someone could be a type A, uh, respecting the way they execute or the way they get work done. Some people work better at home. Some are in the office. Uh, just getting everyone to a round table where when they introduce themselves, they talk about the things that they do not like or things that they find offensive. And even in that, when you start talking about uh, fences, um, you avoid another risk, right? Because it's an opportunity to learn. So it's a good learning moment. Uh, I had a young lady, she is from uh, Ghana, and she told uh, a group of executives, like, she finds it offensive when people keep asking to touch her hair. And so that was a teachable moment for a lot of the women in the room because they came to me and they said like, wow, I didn't realize that was, you know, a sensitivity for some African-American women. Um, and then I allowed her, I said, could you explain why that may be offensive? And so that was a teachable moment. Um, and so that's why I like to start with teams when they're very diverse to break the ice and to make it a safe space. Yeah, I think the teachable moments, um, it's, it's hard. But if you can get to the other side of part, it makes sense. I, I love your example of how do you work best, which is one I think 
that we often do approach. Like I, I like to ask people before I hire them, like, how do you like mm -hmm. to be recognized? Because it tells me a lot mm -hmm. about their personality type if they tell me how they like to be recognized. And, mm -hmm. but I don't think I've ever asked the question, Daniela, like, what's your pet peeves? Mm -hmm. um, we, we phrase it a different way, but I think if we use pet peeves and just kind of called a spade a spade, we get a lot more honest answers, mm -hmm. um, than what frustrates you at work or what, mm -hmm. um, is something that you don't like. I, I love that. I love that. Um, and I think the teachable moments, like I said, it, it's, it's a, it's certainly a good one. You came up as you shared through the through the energy industry and 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 oil and gas, but you also do a lot with with tech and um and with tech founders. Any kind of trends you see in the businesses and the leadership that you're working with these days that you would share for everybody? Things that are on people's minds, stress yeah. points. I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about tech is that tech is only for professionals with a tech background, like software, coding, um, engineering. And that's not true. Tech has a lot of issues with business transformation where they may want a person in leadership from the financial industry. Tech is also branching into other industries we have education tech we have health tech you know med tech and so there are tech versions or tech sectors within your industry and so that's something that a lot of clients say they oh i want to pivot into tech well you might already be there it's just have you found the companies that are targeting your industry for you to pivot into those organizations um and in oil and gas we drill for oil so you have exploration tech uh, there are various technologies that a lot of uh, organizations in tech use. And, you know, I think it was maybe two years ago that Microsoft, Amazon and Google said that they were venturing into oil and gas because they have a lot of advanced technology uh, that would count towards environmental awareness uh, to help oil and gas organizations to be a lot more sensitive when they are digging or doing construction. And so I always like to tell people a trend that I see is professionals not realizing that what problem do you solve and then go from there versus this is my industry the world yeah. is changing and there's no such thing anymore as an industry those lines are getting blurry in tech i i really like your phrase of professionals and it doesn't matter again whether you're a business mm -hmm. builder or building a business or whether you know you look at yourself which i encourage everybody to do which i know you do too Look mm -hmm. at yourself as a business, right? We all need right. to see ourselves as creators. We all need to see ourselves as opportunists. I always say, um, I have my first book was Connect to Influence on, on Networking. And I always teach people about being an ultimate influencer. And part of that is keeping their eye on the future. And so you're, you're spot on. What mm -hmm. problem do I solve? And how do I let people know that from a uh, quick glance at my LinkedIn profile or in, in different ways and how mm -hmm. they see themselves. I think beautiful people like you, what you bring to the world is you help give people a business makeover, right? I think mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially when you've gotten a certain point in your career, you kind of get beat down and you need that. You need somebody from the outside to come in and lift you up and then show you the things that you can't see. I'm like you, Daniela. Um, I'm a first generation college student. Um, I outgrew my, my level 
of what I achieved in my career far above any anybody in my family. And I'm not saying that in a, a, a kind of a braggy way, you know, because you've worked hard, I've worked hard. But I think, wow, if somebody would have, if I would have looked at executive coaching sooner in my career, if mm-hmm. I, I would have had other people help me sooner, I could have achieved even so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just a, a positive message for anybody listening that is a business builder, a founder, or somebody who just is trying to rewrite their business story. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that there's great people out there like you uh, bringing this message and, and helping them and making space for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank on you. That, on that note, um, I do know because of, of what you do that you offer some, some free workshops for people to help them. So tell us a little bit about this aspect of what you do. Sure. I have workshops on Sundays and Thursdays. Um, and in those workshops, it's basically, are you ready for leadership? And it's showing you the signs that you may have hit a glass ceiling and what to do. Um, I also cover outdated terminology and things that professionals like do on a very uh, frequent occasion where they may not realize how they're disconnecting uh, from opportunities that take them up the pay scale and to the next level in their career. Uh, For instance, I talked about what problem do you solve? And so what a lot of professionals tend to do is talk about what they were responsible for. That's telling me a job description. Mm -hmm. And so I like to cover things like that in the workshop uh, so that you have a better form of communication or a better way of communicating with a recruiter outside of your typical industry uh, because they just need to know why you're relevant to them and so that's a matter of translation of your skill sets Uh, so that's what i cover in the free workshops yeah and i want to do the reverse because like we like we talked about for people in the c-suite people who are founders um think about your plans for for identifying people like the ones that you coach daniela and then bringing them Mm -hmm. bringing them along bringing them along because um the payoff when you find the right people and you bring them along in their careers is, is just huge. Um, Yeah. Daniela, if people want to connect with you, find out more, where should they go and what should they do? All of my handles on social media is at Slaypedia on Facebook, on Instagram at Slaypedia, Twitter, um, and TikTok is where I'm really active these days. Uh, I find it, I enjoy TikTok a lot. Um, and you can also uh, find me on YouTube at Slaypedia as well. So last question I want to ask you, where do you go to get your inspiration and your motivation? Anything that you like to watch, listen to, a person you follow? Yes. Thanks for asking. Um, I like to follow Robert Frederick. Uh, He's one of the first black billionaires here in Houston, Texas, in the financial industry. He often talks a lot about, um, you know, his team, how he builds um, and vision building. That's something I'm really heavily focused on now. Um, I'm also taking the time to invest in building my personal team of financial advisors and a wealth advisor, uh, because I want to make sure I have people guiding me in the right direction when it comes to how I save and how I spend my money. Um, As far as who I listen to, um, that's a good question. I I don't really do a lot of social media unless I'm posting, uh, because it kind of drains me. But a person that I really have been into lately is uh, Sarah Jakes. Uh, She's uh, in the Christian space but she speaks to a lot of millennials about you know branching off of you know the patterns that you've seen in your family generational patterns um and things like that so i really do enjoy her because she speaks to a person of my background 
Hey, I'm going to go look up Sarah Jakes because I'm not She's familiar amazing. with her. And I love the idea of breaking free of your your generational um, backgrounds. I, I I say all the time, I still have a mother who doesn't understand what I do, why I do it, um, <laughs> because she just, she can't see, she can't see beyond. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah, so it's a lot for people who are, are breaking beyond. It um, is. Daniela, I just appreciate that you took your time to drop by and, and share things with us today. And Thank I want to you. say to our listeners, if, if Daniela said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, pass along a copy of this episode. Um, and, uh, and also find her on LinkedIn, find her on TikTok, make her part of your network. Cause you never know when you might need her wisdom. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, Daniela. Hey, to the listeners, um, as I always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Everybody have a great day. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.